0: Our first message today is from Mr. Ron Will Hoyt. It is entitled, Simeon Says. Good afternoon, everyone. Good to see you. About 15 minutes ago, I thought we were probably the most fair-weathered congregation in Tulsa. But it takes that first hymn to get everybody in through the door. It is getting a little bit chillier, isn't it? But last I looked, it's still winter. Well, everyone, the 19-year time cycle, the 19-year time cycle is nearly complete. Because almost 19 years ago, almost, I was in a certain place, for a certain reason, when we were having our first child, me and my wife. And I remember this young man, he walked in, smiling and excited, and I put my hand on him and I said, well, Kurt, what do you think? And smiling is only Kurt Whiteley could do. When he was that age, he said, I think I'm an uncle. (laughs) Well, 19, almost 19 years later, we played out that thing in reverse. I walked into the room, a much larger guy than he was 19 years ago, (laughs) put his hand upon me and he said, well, Ron, what do you think? and I had to say the same thing I think I'm an uncle and I am but man was it tense it was a tense week for me I mean that week leading up to last Sabbath I was carrying around certain notes that I might need just in case because see we had a a scheduled delivery But see, when you schedule things, life happens, right? But see, I wasn't really tense on the fact that I might have to come up a week early to do a message. That's not that big a deal. But what I was tense about is because I had to hear Mr. Whiteley. I had to hear Curtis. I had to hear that message, that one specific message on that one specific Sabbath, because there will be never again a time like that because now that was the time right before the car seat ears. And you know what? They're up on him. Because the baby is home. The car seat ears. Brian, you want to show that? Isn't that incredible? I walked in. This was when he was just a few hours old. I walked in, and Katie being Katie, she goes, run, get the baby. I said, well, I want the baby. <laughs> so I got the baby, and as I sat down with the baby, kind of in this position here, and I said, I've got to get my phone. because so I've got a somewhat, somewhat tech phone that actually will take a photo that you can actually tell, which I think it did pretty good. But here I am sitting with this beautiful child in my arms, I'm going, boom, first one. I said, it's not going to get any better than that one. But as I was doing that, as I was holding him, and as I was looking at him, I began to wonder, and I've been wondering ever since then, is this how Simeon looked upon Jesus? when Simeon took Jesus in his arms. Because Jesus was a baby boy, right? Jesus was a baby boy, just like Samuel Asher is a baby boy, just like this Liam that we have around here now is a baby boy, and of course, Debbie Keaton's grandson, little Aiden. Now these are with us, these baby boys, and they need constant attention, don't they? Everything about them, feeding, taking care of, just looking at them, transporting them, everything about these babies has to be dealt with by those that have them. And it's just incredible. Because I think they are the reality of months of anticipation. I even look back upon my own day. They are the reality of months of expectation, its excitement, and its anticipation of just what kind of life will start to unfold from that moment. That's what I call the Asher moment. But you know, brethren, it's incredible to me to think of Jesus. To think of Jesus and deep thinking about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In in how Isaiah put it where he said, For unto us a child is born. That Jesus was a child. A baby that had to be carried, had to be taken care of and was held in a mother's loving arms. But unto us a son is given. But Isaiah has so many wonderful prophecies about Jesus, but I do love the one where he is called the branch, where he is that prophesied branch where he looks to Jesse, saying that stem will come forth out of Jesse, and Isaiah says that righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. Righteousness and faithfulness because he is the branch for unto us a child has been born and unto us the son has been given. But when I read Isaiah, because standing here now I can read Isaiah. And I can think of the birth of Jesus Christ and I wonder how many years, how much, how much life was lived and endured between the prophecies of Isaiah till the time that Jesus was born. How much was lived in and endured in this expectation of this arrival? And it's just an all-consuming hope. Being consumed with hope about what he would do when he was finally among his people. Well, having baby on the brain, as I have all week, I want to revisit the birth prophecies of Jesus. Not in Isaiah, not in the prophets, but those prophecies given concerning him, concerning his birth in kind of that immediate time kind of surrounding those months and weeks surrounding his birth. And I want to begin with the dream of Joseph in Matthew 1. If we look at the dream of Joseph in Matthew, verse 18 begins, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when, as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But notice what we hear here, see here next. is, But while he thought on these things, I imagine he really did think about these things and what he was faced with. But isn't it wonderful to see that he was a just man, Scripture says, and how he was going to take care of this. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, I'm thinking about these things. What am I going to do? Then, in a dream, Joseph, you son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to focus on verse 21. Verse 21 says, And she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, colon. Here's why. You shall call him Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child. And shall bring forth a son, and you shall, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which of course is God with us. So it's Joseph, you, Joseph, coming to you in this dream. While you were thinking about these things, you're going to call him Jesus. but I like the distinction there. It says, but they shall call him Emmanuel, God with us. Now, what was revealed to Joseph in a dream came to Mary in this supernatural encounter at Luke 1, verse 26. We have the dream of Joseph, and now we have the visitation of Gabriel to Mary. Verse 26 says, And in the sixth month, The angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came into her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. That's true. I mean, how many women have been born? I couldn't begin to tell you, but this one was born, Mary, and it just can go by without you know really focusing in on this. Is that Gabriel says, "Blessed are you among women," for what she was allowed to do and what she was allowed to have happen in her body. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation. This should be for the angel said unto her, fear not, Mary, for you hast found favor with God, and behold, you shall conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son. There's many mothers in this room, and only they can really know what it means to say that conceiving in the womb, and what does Scripture say? Bringing forth a son. And I've seen that in two different ways. I've seen what happens when something is conceived in the womb and what happens to a woman over those months of expectation. But when it's that time to bring forth that child, it's indescribable, really, what happens. And then to see that child given to the mother, still connected. I was talking to my wife this morning about just how long are those cords? Is it this long? Is it this long? And she says, it's, it varies. It is truly amazing. And see, That is in this about Jesus Christ. When Gabriel said to her, You shall conceive in your womb, and you're going to bring forth Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Now this is the divine directive, right? Joseph... Son of David, you're going to call him, name him Jesus. Mary, you're going to name him Jesus. But I like these glory titles that scripture has. Emmanuel, this glory title, son of the highest, a glory title among so many of these glory titles that attempt to describe the indescribableness of Jesus' majesty. Because words fail us when we try. I love chief shepherd. I love the branch. He is the life, the resurrection. There are so many. These are two prophetic announcements. Fulfilling centuries older songs. Two prophetic announcements. The dream to Joseph. And the visitation of Gabriel to Mary, fulfilling centuries older psalms. Now, these psalms are contained in what Bollinger calls in his companion Bible, the songs of the degrees. The songs of the degrees. Now, when we look at what was told to Mary, to Mary, Gabriel announced, okay, to Jesus, Announce to Mary that Jesus shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. Now look at Psalm 132, verse 11. One of these songs of the degrees. The Lord hath sworn in truth unto David, he will not turn from it. Of the fruit of thy body will I set upon Thy throne. And it is Jesus, the branch, that was given the throne of David, just like Gabriel announced to Mary. But when we get to Joseph, the dream that came to Joseph, it says that Mary shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. That massively huge colon. Because. For he shall save his people from their sins. Look at Psalm 130 verse 7. Another of the songs of the degree says. Let Israel hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is mercy. And with him is plenteous. Plenteous immeasurable. Plenteous redemption. Fact. And he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. And the declaration that Jesus would accomplish this. Now what's the theme though? When you when you read and you you see what came in a dream to Joseph, and you read and study what was spoken to Mary, by Gabriel, and then you go back to these songs of the degrees, do you kind of see that there is an exclusivity to Israel alone in what's being announced? Is that what the Messiah is going to do is going to be limited to those from who he came from. Within these psalms, these songs of the degrees, with the prophetic announcement to Mary and Joseph, could there have been the assumption, in expectation, that the Messiah was going to be just exclusive to Israel? That salvation, redemption, and deliverance was to be for Israel, physical Israel alone. Now we remember Gabriel went to see someone before he came to see Mary, right? It was Zacharias. As he was executing his priestly duties according to his order there at the temple, Gabriel appears to Zacharias, announcing that he's going to have a son also. I want to read for you just a bit of what Gabriel said to Zacharias. He said, He shall be great in the sight of of the Lord, He's not going to drink wine, not going to drink strong drink. to be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. Filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. But this is what I want you to pay attention to. Gabriel told Zechariah, says that many of the children of Israel shall John turn to the Lord their God. Now, if Zacharias would have only responded like Mary did to Gabriel, if Zacharias would have just said, Let it be as you have so said. But he didn't. And we, of course, know that for a protracted period of time, Zacharias was unable to speak. But, of course, John is born... And then the eighth day of John's life, Zacharias is able to speak, and speak he does. I call it the eighth day prophecy of Zacharias. If we look at Luke 1, verse 67, I still want you to think about this thread within these psalms and this thread within these prophetic announcements of this prophecy. Assumption and the expectation that the Messiah was going to be exclusively just for Israel. Well, on the eighth day of John's life, when a certain ceremony takes place, according to Leviticus 12, I want you to keep that in your mind, the eighth day, okay? The eighth day. This eighth day event, this eighth day prophecy Zechariah in verse 67, it says, Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. That's Psalm 130. Again. Now look at verse 69. And he hath raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Psalm 132. As he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began... Notice this little emphasis, this shift in this Holy Spirit-filled prophecy of the dad, the father of eight-day-old John. That we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham. Last two verses. That he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. I love how Zacharias begins that. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel for he hath visited and redeemed his people. It's rooted in the songs of degrees here in the prophecy of Zechariah. It's the repeated emphasis, the redemption of Israel, that the Lord God of Israel visiting and delivering just His people. Well, then it was time. Just there comes a time in every mother's life when they say it's time. The same thing happened to Mary when it was time. And praise God, hallelujah, that Jesus was born. This is when it gets a little interesting, if it isn't already. Scripture tells us that after the days of Mary's purification, which is really concisely laid out in detail in Leviticus 12, and you should read it. Because it's different if you have a, a boy, and it's different if you have a girl. But the eighth day principle, that eighth day event for the boys, is there. And of course, Zechariah prophesying on that day, that eighth day. But this is found in Leviticus 12. Once these days were complete in Mary, Okay, scripture says that they brought Jesus to Jerusalem. Now, see, that opens up all kinds of things, and there's no time for a mini series within this split sermon. But the fact of Jesus and Jerusalem, but this time it says that he was brought. Jesus was brought to Jerusalem, and there we are introduced to Simeon. Matt Steele touched upon Simeon a few weeks ago, but. When we're introduced to Simeon it says that he is a man waiting. Simeon is a waiting man for what? Scripture says that Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel because he had been informed that he would one day see his Savior So now I'm tying back to that picture that I took this week. Because it says, Simeon took Jesus up in his arms. Here's Mary and Joseph bringing Jesus to Jerusalem where he had to be brought to Jerusalem. And Simeon, this man waiting for the consolation of Israel, having been told, revealed to him that you will see him, takes him in his arms. Okay? Okay. Simeon's got Jesus in his arms. And look at Luke 2, verse 29. Luke 2, verse 29. Simeon says, Lord, now let thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For my eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of. Oh, now it changes. What? Simeon took Jesus up in his arms, blessed God, and says, For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. Waiting for the consolation of Israel. Seeing Jesus in his own arms, right? Because I've seen him. This is what you prepared for. For all people. And notice Simeon beginning with... Gentiles a Light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel because see there's an and in there a light to lighten And the glory of Israel That's what Simeon says Jesus is That prophetic thread Rooted in those songs of degrees, Psalm 130 and Psalm 132, contained in the birth prophecies of Jesus. But what we find here in the prophecy of Simeon, of course, is Isaiah. I would encourage you to read Isaiah 42 and Isaiah 49 as you read just this, what I would call the A part. Of Simeon's prophecy, because brethren, there's a definite B part that's coming later. I want to focus on the A today. It's incredible that he says that, a light to lighten, because really that's what Zacharias said. That's what Zacharias said. But now we have Simeon kind of extrapolating, extending this, and widening it up to where it's not just all of Israel that's setting in darkness. It's this inclusive word of all. Because what might not have been known to the children of Israel, but what is known to each of us, is that we all set in darkness. And praise God, as Simeon held Jesus, he proclaimed that he was to be our light and our glory. But see, isn't this exactly what John the Baptist knew? Didn't John the Baptist know that spirit of prophecy that fell upon Simeon that is rooted back to Isaiah? Because what did John the Baptist say when he beheld his Savior coming to him? He said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world exactly what John knew. Behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. And if you recall from last time it was Jesus who said that exact same thing. Jesus said, I am come to call sinners unto repentance. And I'm come to save the world. But I really have just been kind of... (laughs) Locked in on this moment of that Jesus being this child, weeks old child in the arms of Simeon who's just been waiting, waiting for the consolation of Israel to have it revealed to him that you're going to see him before you die and that he has him and he says this and that we have it in our Bible. Simeon exclaimed to the Eternal, My eyes have seen thy salvation which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. The salvation of the Lord, the salvation of the Eternal, which he has prepared before the face of all people. Now think of that phrase, because there's a phrase there, okay? Thy salvation prepared before the face of all people, because in Christ Jesus... Doesn't that perfectly define the feasts of the Lord? That in Christ Jesus, in the salvation that is in Christ Jesus, thy salvation be prepared before the face of all people. Is that holy day and festival cycle that we rehearse. Year after year, Simeon looked upon him. And we look upon and engage in the salvation of the Lord each year through the holy days. And when we think about that, that what Zacharias said on that eighth day to John, then after that period of purification, Jesus had an 8th day event happen also. The same one of Leviticus 12. John was a forerunner in that 8th day experience. But Jesus' 8th day came upon him also. But I love that phrase, Thy salvation prepared before the face of all people, how it just beautifully defines for me the plan of salvation and the festivals, the feasts of the Lord. Given that we may know who it is that sanctifies us and sets us apart in Christ Jesus through the salvation. That salvation of that face that Simeon got to look upon when he was just a child. Because we have to remember that what Jesus proclaimed, okay, as I wrap this up. Do you remember what Jesus proclaimed in the midst of all those gathered at the last great day at the Feast of Tabernacles? That's another eighth day, right? We had an eighth day event, an eighth day experience for John. An incredible prophecy about the scope of Messiah. And then we have Simeon after those days, which included that eighth day for Jesus. There are Mary and Joseph... Bringing him to Jerusalem. And there is Simeon. Seeing in that face. Seeing the salvation of the eternal that's been prepared for all people. But notice what Jesus says in John 7 verse 37. This week I wondered, you know, we all have a a first memory It could be somebody. It could be something that happened to you. Hopefully, good. As you were a child. I just wonder. Jesus had the Holy Spirit. Simeon had the Holy Spirit. There was so much Holy Spirit in that union as Simeon was holding Jesus. I just wonder if Jesus remembered Simeon as he grew up and knew those words. That Simeon prophesied over him while he held him. I mean, think about it. To see him, give you everything you had. But to see a man hold him as a baby, it's incredible. But Jesus said in the last day, the great day of the feast, eighth day, right? Another eighth day event. Jesus stood and cried, saying, "If any man," that's what Simeon said. But notice, if any man, on the last great day, I'm proclaiming to hear me, he says, "If any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink." Now, what was that that Isaiah said? He said, "For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government, right." Shall be upon his shoulder. Well, brethren, until he shoulders everything, until he shoulders it all, I'd like to encourage each one of us as a a congregation of believers to really love and to really nurture and to really cherish every child that has been born to us in this congregation in this family of believers.